G'day and welcome to Brown and Hurley's Big Podcast. Join us as we travel through the history and the culture of this iconic Australian family company. You'll hear from Brown and Hurley people and the customers who are part of this journey. Let's hit the road. G'day, I'm Bruce Barnes, the dealer principal here at Brown and Hurley Yatla, and today I have the privilege of talking with Tony Abood from Abood's Crane Trucks. Tony, welcome to the big podcast. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for asking me along today. It's a privilege to be here. Excellent. Tony, we've been friends for a long time, and you've been involved in the uh, the transport industry for a while, but it's not the first time we've seen the Abood's name uh, on the East Coast. Can you take us back to the start where it all began? Well, it all, well basically it all began uh, with my father and his three brothers. Um, they mi- uh, migrated out, of, out to Australia um, before World War II. They were market gardeners. Anyway, they um, got a um, maple leaf truck on the Lendlease program and sort of worked uh, carting cement out of Candos um, during the war. And uh, that's kind of how they got into transport. Uh, after the war, um, they bought a couple of more trucks and basically they were involved in carting cement and general freight and, and goods as they were in that period. Trucks today... Uh, are completely different to the trucks that they had in those days. What sort of trucks did they used to run? Uh, well, back then, uh, they used to run S-model Bedfords, and then when they wore those out, they started buying um, Leylands, Fodens, and uh, Thornycrofts. They used to be market gardeners. You're not in that line of business, are you? No, no. no. Um, well, that's, they kind of, um, well, that was sort of how they got into the industry, and then uh, they like when they sort of were carting produce to different places and they started bringing freight back and then they sort of uh, morphed into a transport business. Um, I grew up in the uh, family business in Sydney, um, kind of, I suppose, when I was old enough to be of uh, some use. Um, that, that was the days when they were carting a lot of uh, product for metal manufacturers. It was like um, when Queensland was um, very big on electrifying the uh, state so they used to cart all the cable up from uh, Port Kembla into Queensland and that's sort of how I, I got involved. Can, can you remember how old you were when you first started in the family business and and what jobs you used to do? From a very young age I used to go with my father all the time because I was uh, you know keen to be in trucks I think I think I was, used to be over there on weekends and I used to get two dollars off the drivers to wash their trucks so <laughs> from about I don't know from about school age I suppose um, 10 or 11 you know I was very um, every uh, every chance I got, I used to go over and and be um, do whatever I could. So it was in your blood at a very young age. Yes, yes, yeah. very young age. I mean, um, my mum, my mother may force me to go into high school and um, and do TAFE and and other things, but um, right or wrong, I I wanted to be a, involved in the transport industry. Yeah. Okay. So quite obviously. As soon as you got your license, were you, what were you? What was your next step after washing the trucks? Were, you got your license and uh, started driving. I, I assume. Yes. Um, like as soon as I was old enough, I got. I think back in those days, they used to call it a rigid license. I uh, got that virtually the day I was old enough. I think back then you had to be uh, 19 before you could get a truck license. We had an old Thornycroft which um, Dad rebuilt, and I used to drive that everywhere. And then uh, as soon as I was 21, I was able to get my semi-licence. Well, in those days, we were living in Sydney, and um, we headed out to Windsor because um, the bloke out there was a good friend of Dad's. And, yeah, 
became big time yeah with the prime mover <laughs> prime mover trailer and um yeah and got me semi-license and then yeah, yeah. i was i was a, a, a very keen to sort of get on the road and get into it different configurations in those days like the the, the body truck that you used to drive was that a, a six by four eight by four four by two it was a it was a six by four. It was actually an old Thornycroft, which they um, used to be a prime mover, and they extended the chassis and uh, put a bogey drive under it. The Thornycroft motor broke a crankshaft, and they couldn't get that, so they put a six LXB Gardener in it with a road ranger gearbox. Back in those days, the bulk cement they used to have like screw bodies, and uh, had one of those on it, and they had a contract with Readymix. And then a few years later, the I mean that work uh, went by the wayside. I think that's when Borrell bought out Ready Mix. It all changed, so they uh, ditched the screw body, lengthened the chassis again, and uh, put a 14 pallet tray on it, uh, turned it into a tabletop. And um, that was about when I think it was around that time was when I was old enough to get my license, and so that's when I started driving it. You're talking back when we were sort of, I said. The transport industry it said we really had a lot of pioneers within the industry and uh, modifying vehicles to make them suited to do the jobs that they wanted to do what sort of year was that that would have been sort of mid 60s yeah okay um, just trying to like I think I, like I got my license uh, drivers truck drivers license I think in 70 1975 so yeah we sort of talking late 60s early 70s I remember like when Kenworth sort of started to make a, um, uh, what would you say, yeah, impact on the road. Because prior to that, it was very, like, very much a lot of, like, you know, you had your international 190s, Diamond Rios, AEC, um, Leyland. Um, they were sort of like the, and Foden's, they were kind of like the, you know, the go-to truck. I think in, it was the early 70s when Kenworth trucks actually started making an impact on the Australian market. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different rules and regulations back then to what we have today. Abood's crane trucks, how did that come about? Um, well, like all family businesses, um, uh, my father and I had a um, bit of a falling out. Uh, I started walking towards the um, front gate thinking he'd tell me to tell me to turn around and come back and he thought I'd stop before I got to the front gate so um, I like moved away from Sydney moved up to uh, a place called Pottsville Beach and um, started working for a bloke by the name of Bob Shackle who um, I must say um, I think I learnt more in three years working for Bob Shackle than I did in the you know previous um, time working for my family he taught he taught me how to be um, more efficient and um, you know run, run things um, uh, more efficiently you know, I drove for Bob for a while then I um, got a local job driving for a local roof trust company Corumban Roof Trusses and um, drove for them for a couple of years and then they they pulled me in the office one day and I was I was doing a lot of hours for them and they told me about this new saw they were going to get and which you know like a double production and I said well that's all well and good but you know where's the other truck going to come from to do all the deliveries and offhandedly they said we'll we'll find a drive for our truck you you go buy a truck and work for us and that's kind of how i got my start fantastic so what what truck did you end up going and buying time well at that stage dad and i had sort of um you know mended our distant agreements and i had a budget of um eighty five thousand dollars so uh obviously the biggest part of the new equation would be the crane so that sort of took up half 
half my budget and then my father had a old threw off trailer which he said he sold to me at a good price and I, we rebuilt that and then we went out, went out and found this old um, single drive Renault Mac that fitted the application and we st- started out with that and that's the uh, how Abood's that's crane our, trucks that's how evolved Abood's crane trucks evolved yeah fantastic yeah, that was back in uh, that, I remember this date because I went to the uh, motor registry at Southport and there was this um, really lovely um, Kiwi girl she was working behind the desk and I was, you know, all paperwork to register the truck in Queensland and, you know, what you had to do in those days. And, of course, I put the crane on it. I'd have engineering certificates. And it was all a bit of a nightmare for me. I've never been really good with paperwork. But um, she really helped me out. And um, she uh, came out and she said, oh, I've got a really good number plate for you, triple seven B double Z. And I said, why is that? She said, well, I think you're, only, you're, not, bit, you're not much older than 21 and B double Z, you're going to be very, very busy. I said, oh, thanks for that. And that was the 7th of July. 1993, and that's when Abood's crane trucks virtually officially kicked away. Yeah, excellent. When you drive across this wide brown land, you'll drive through some of the most magnificent scenery in the world. Between these scenes of beauty are the world's harshest operating conditions for our trucks. So you need a truck that's made here by people who know Aussies and their conditions. Kenworth trucks are designed and manufactured in Australia by Australians for Australia's harsh conditions. Check them out at Brown and Hurley today. Moving forward a few years, um, you started off with a prime mover, mm-hmm. single trailer, and uh, a crane fitted to it. Yep. What was the next step from there? Uh, next step from there was I was working for two companies in Corumban, which I still work for. Oh, well, one of them's not around anymore, uh, Corumban Roof Trusses. Um, but Central Engineering, that was one of the other companies I started working for, and I still work for the boys today. And they approached me and said, oh, you know, go buy a body truck. We need a body truck. And because, like, at that stage, I sort of knew nothing about employing people or anything like that. But they guaranteed me if I bought this other truck, they'd guarantee me the work, which they have. Like, that was, shit, nearly 15, 16 years ago. And that's how uh, it was an Isuzu uh, tabletop. That was, that was like, the second truck. And then the third truck was uh, an old F86 Volvo, which um, bloke by the name of Graham Corbett. He wanted to retire, so um, he and then the people from Odlands Timbers, which is now well, where J.H. Williams are at Moorumbah, they uh, I was doing some work for them, and they sort of reiterated to me if I bought Graham's truck, I'd get all the work. So I bought Graham's truck and um, had to find another driver, and the business grew and grew. The business grew and grew. Quite obviously, with the business growing and. Uh Stretching out your hand, your fingers, um, you had to buy um, some trucks that were better suited, some new trucks that were better suited to the job. Can you tell us about your first Kenworth purchase? My first Kenworth purchase was a, actually a K104. By the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, we'd, we'd sort of, um, the business expanded and we we're doing a lot of um, oh, general freight as well. We knew this bloke that was working at another place, he just shifted um, up to Brown Hurley and um, I remember saying to him that at the time it was um, a very good move and he actually sold sold me uh, a truck earlier in the piece. I think it was actually his first new truck that he'd sold and so when he started at Brown Hurley I figured I'd better do the right thing by him, give him an order for a, for a um, new truck. 
Yeah, very momentous occasion for myself, Tony. It was. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, that was a great story to tell. He said uh, the first new truck I ever sold was um, was the Iveco Powerstar, yep. working for another company, and uh, decided to make the move. And you congratulated me and uh, said it was the best move I'd ever made. And looking back, it has been. Yeah, when you came up in the first week and uh, gave me the order, I was blown away. I couldn't even work out the pricing. So I suppose that's a lot about what this industry is based on is trust and uh, long-term friendships. So it's a, it's an absolute honour to be part and parcel of that. You not only have Kenworth in your fleet, you've got a couple of different Packard products. Yeah. Why do you... What? And I said we do have the DAF, yeah. the DAF product in our lineup as well. Um why do you buy both Kenworth and DAF products? Two reasons. One is because it's um, well assembled here in Australia, um, and they use a lot of Australian content. But probably the second and most important reason is um, the, the Brown Hurley people. Um, over the years, you can trust and rely that um, whatever they sell you, they back you up with. I mean, not that we have. I've had a lot of problems, but when I have had problems, it's been sorted out pretty well straight away. And it doesn't matter which part of the country I'm in. I mean, I've had trucks break down out in the middle of uh, out in the middle of the Kimberleys and um, you know in the Territory, and kind of um, at first I think, what am I going to do? And then um, get on the Brown Hurley network, and you know it, it's sorted out within a couple of days. And that that in itself is priceless. I mean previous brand of truck I had um, half the time when you used to ring up for parts they didn't have them let alone um, assist you with in getting the truck back on the road yeah that's fantastic yeah the Brown and Hurley network and the national Packard network Kenworth and DAF is second to none within the industry what's the biggest change you've noticed within the industry um, <clears throat> I think the biggest change uh, in the industry the regulations particularly the fatigue regulations I mean um, makes it very hard sometimes to get the job done when you um, uh, get delayed um, by other things you know like things out of your control the other thing that's becoming harder and harder is finding um, good operators um, and draw and people willing to sort of uh, spend the time and um, learn uh, what you have to offer um, I think everyone these days thinks they can just sort of walk in and um, you know start at the top. They don't realise that you know you got to start at the bottom and work your way to the top. Yeah, okay. You you, you touched there on on rules and regulations. Um, we're a very regulated industry, uh, and quite obviously they all come at a cost. Do you have any dramas with um, competing against some of your competitors in in regards to the cost and having all the correct rules and regulations in place? Oh yeah, all the time. A lot of the big national companies will, you know, they were required to have all these systems in place. You spend the money and the time and uh, put the people in place to make it all happen. Only to be, like, when you tender for a job and you miss out on it, then you, you find out that, well, you know, someone else has got it and, and these other people um, don't have any of that required thing. At the end of the day, a lot of the time, it just comes down to that price at the bottom of the page. Yeah, they don't have the compliance in place. No, yeah. no, they don't. It makes it... Uh, hard to compete with that if they're doing it with uh, substandard gear or, or don't have the compliancing in place mm. 100%. Looking back on the industry, if you were to give anyone a piece of advice uh, moving forward <laughs> that wanted to come into the industry, what would be uh, what bit of advice would you give them? 
I think if you want to get involved in this industry, you really uh, have to have the passion and, and want to be involved because it's what you really want to do. If you want to get involved in this industry where you think you're going to make a, a lot of money, um, yeah, no. You, you, no, you're going to get it wrong. You, you can make yourself a good living. I mean, I've done very well out of the industry. I mean, I've, I've you know, I've had um, my two sons um, were uh, competed at Olympic level. I mean, we followed them all around the world. I wouldn't have been able to do that on a normal salary. The fact that I, you know, I had a business and a transport business that that um, helped me achieve that. But you got to enjoy what you got to do. So, I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't discourage anyone. But I've had a few good drivers say they want to go and buy their own truck, and I'll sit them down and say, look, this is what you're making now as a driver. You go and buy your own truck. You're going to have all this other stuff to deal with. Do you really want that? And nine times out of ten, they'll um, they'll stay in their job. Or, or I've advised a lot of guys just go and buy a house. You'll get um, better return out of that. <laughs> Is there anyone that you've looked up to in particular? Well, apart from my father and three uncles, obviously yeah. they start. But one person that really had a big impact on my life was Bob Shackle. I went and worked for him straight after working for my family. And um, like I said, working in a family business, yeah, you work hard and you think you know it all. But uh, when I went to work for Bob, yeah, it was a steep learning curve. Yeah, I mean, okay. um, I didn't have any trouble doing the work or anything, but um, he he just, I think Bob helped me to become a smarter operator. I mean, it's not much point going flat out if you're not doing it the right way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the time I worked for Bob, um, yeah, and even even to like, even to, like, and even after I started in my own business, there's a couple of times there I, I needed a bit of a hand and, you know, Bob was the first bloke to sort of um, help me out. In regards to transporting, Tony, will you look at any sort of any particular job? Yeah, I mean, like we're pretty much involved in the construction industry. Um, over the years, I mean, we've carted everything from oh, concrete pipes, bricks, tiles, steel, you know, uh, transportable buildings. We do a lot of that. Um, there's no job we won't um, oh, won't have a crack at with like within our equipment's capabilities. Um, so yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the customer whether he's willing to um, part with his hard-earned dollar for our service. I mean, you know, it's it's all it's all. Um, I suppose it, you know, all comes down to whether whether the service you provide and is is going to um, please them and for what the money they're going to hand over. Over the years, you would have had plenty of challenging jobs. Is there any one particular job that stands out more challenging than others? I think the one job that really sort of um, tested us out was when we were carting the buildings up to um, Amram at Weeper. At the time, the road, it was just after the wet, the road was actually chopped to pieces. There's one stage there on that road where you know, we were averaging 10 kilometres an hour. And we were, like, we were under a contract to get buildings on site by a certain date. I mean, that was probably, probably the one job that really halfway through it I, it's probably one of the few times I thought actually actually just sort of closing the door and walking away from the truck we ended up getting it done um, learned a lot from that job okay Tony um, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you or use any of your services what's the best way to get in contact on our website aboots crane trucks crane trucks.com.au just like to say thank you for coming in today and uh, spending a bit of time with us on the big podcast it's been an absolute pleasure appreciate thank, your business thanks for having me along Bruce Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Before we go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 
Subscribing means you won't miss the next episode when it's published. Your feedback is also very welcome and you can reach out to us on Brown and Hurley Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn pages. You'll also find lots of useful information about us and the products we offer on our website, brownandhurley.com.au. Thanks again for listening to Brown and Hurley's Big Podcast, brought to you by the Big Truck People. This podcast has been produced by the Brisbane Podcasting Centre.